0: But we're gonna be in first corinthians fifteen nine and ten, so as you're turning there let me uh let me pray because we're all in desperate need for the uh the holy spirit to to do his thing with us tonight. you guys are desperate in need of him to help you here, and I'm in desperate need of him to speak through me i have uh I said this last time. I have no desire to get up here and babble for a certain amount of time. Uh, I want everything I say to be worthwhile, and anything that is of me, I'd rather not say it. So, uh, let's pray and uh, approach the Lord. Father, we thank you uh, for this evening, Lord, as we've just we've just worshipped you and praised you as as we ought to, Lord, because you're deserving of it. Um, Lord, we simply ask that now as we dive into your word, would you cause us to come alive to your word? Lord, as we look in this mirror together as a family, uh, Lord, would you show us the parts of our lives that need, need fixing? And in turn, Lord, would you empower us to then go and, and fix those? Would you empower us to change those areas that we not leave here the same? Um, not just hearers of the word, but doers as well. God, uh, be with me, Lord. I, I desperately... I do need you, Holy Spirit, to speak through me. Would you cause uh, my notes, cause my thoughts to make sense? Um, Lord, even would you inspire me right now? And Lord, would you, uh, just as you stir the hearts of your people, to praise you and to worship you and to lift you up because you're worthy, because we see you active in our lives, Lord, would you you cause us to be stirred up for your word as we dive into it, that it's our... it's our bread, it's our water, it's the living word, it's, it's living and it's breathing, it's active. So would you cause us to uh, have a hunger for it tonight as we, as we go through so much of it? Um, I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Thank you, guys. So as you could uh, see from the title that's up here, we're going to be talking about grace and faith. Everybody say, by grace, through faith. And in looking at that title, you may think, well, John, you had us open to the wrong passage if you know your scripture. That's actually Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, which says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. You are right. Oh, wait, wait. That's the next thing. So that no one may boast. Uh, that's true. We're going to get to that verse, but I'm actually going to... Have this first push against First Corinthians fifteen nine. We are going to uh, go through that tonight. What I want to do is uh, unpack the working life of a Christian, as you saw in that in that title, the the working hands of a Christian. Um, as we just read in Ephesians two, it's easy for us as believers to uh, I don't want to say demonize, but but push works to the side. We see in in Ephesians two that. It's not of works, and and we know that, and we learn that quite often that we're not saved by works. It's not anything that we did. We, we 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 don't take away from the value of the blood of Christ by saying that well, it was it was Christ's blood, and it was a little bit of me. Uh, so we learn that. We also see in uh, Isaiah sixty four six that that's the verse that says our our works are as as filthy rags. So we learn that as believers that our our work does not earn us, our salvation. Our work does not lead us to justification. Uh, but in doing so, I want to make sure that we don't forget the other side of our justification, whereas we are called to work. Um, we can easily push work aside. I've, I've heard it often, and actually is, uh, I don't enjoy it very much. I remember when I first, uh, I first came on staff and I won't incriminate anybody by, by saying, but it was a conversation I had where um, something wasn't something, well, it was the worship team. I guess that's my ministry. So I can talk about it, but I won't say who it was, Uh, but it was, I was asking, well, why, why don't, why don't you put more work into it? Why isn't, why isn't this smoother? Why isn't this like this and this like that? And their response and, I'm glad they're honest with me. And now they would answer totally different. But the response was, it's just so cool how, you know, it's kind of crazy. And then the Holy Spirit just comes in and makes it make sense of it all. And in that moment, it drove me crazy. It's just like that. Where is that? That we're just to be irresponsible, lazy people, and that we expect the Holy Spirit to come in. And so that mindset I'm going to try and, and push against, that's going to make the case against that we hard work is not us lacking faith. Hard work is not us pushing the Holy Spirit to the side and taking the wheel. I would argue, and I'm gonna make the case tonight, that hard work is the beacon of faith, of strong faith. Hard work is the the signature of a Christian who's growing, who's being stretched by the Lord. Hard work is is the characteristic that that we see in a believer who's who's not stagnant, but who's growing. So that's that's what we're gonna do today. Um before we get into since we're going to be talking about work, I wanted to give you guys this illustration by Alistair McIntyre in his book, After Virtue. And so I'll, I'll use you guys as the example. So say you're at, a, you're at a bus stop, and this stranger, complete stranger, comes up to you and says, the name of the common duck is Histrionicus, Histrionicus, Histrionicus. Now, his statement to you makes complete sense, Right? That statement in itself, it's not crazy, but that's, that statement makes sense. What is lacking there is, is context. So that statement we're going to replace with work. And whether it's a job, whether it's your, your work in your home, whether it's uh, serving here at church, whether it's work you do in your neighborhood, whether it's discipleship, whatever it is, you could say, well, maybe this guy is mentally ill. Or another reason could be, hey, maybe I look a lot like someone who came up to him at the library yesterday and asked him, hey, what's the, what's the, what's the name of the common duck? Or maybe, uh, maybe he's a, a foreign spy, and that's like his code phrase, and he's thinking you're supposed to give him something. It's, it's endless. What could be the, the full story, the, the context? And the context, it's not the, the statement, the context will dictate, dictate your and my response. If, if he's mental, mentally ill, I'm probably going to be really gentle and try to help. If it's a mistaken identity, it's probably going to be a quick conversation. Hey, you got the wrong guy. I don't, I don't care about what the name of a duck is. Or if it's uh, some spy, then if you're Micah, you're probably going crazy. It's, as Micah knows. So we need to see the full context. And you'll never, you'll never see the, the full context. You'll never see the full value of your work until you see the full story of what is work. What is work in the life of the believer? What is hard work in the life of a believer? And how do, we, how do we do it? As simple as that sounds, uh, as I was studying over these past couple of days, it was profound to me how the hard work of a believer is, is deep. So we're going to dive into that this evening. So let's, uh, let's just break down these two verses, 1 Corinthians fifteen nine through 10 We'll go through it really slow and unpack it. It says, For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I per- persecuted the church of God. But by grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I but the grace of God that is with me. So this is this is Paul talking. Let's just start at the very beginning. He says, "For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church." Paul is being really open and really honest here. Can you imagine being in? Uh, can you imagine being in that position where you are uh, you are a man who's hunting down believers, putting them in jail, uh, killing them. And then now, you're basically playing for that team. How embarrassing! Uh, how quickly you think Paul would want to put that life behind him? I know I would. I wouldn't. It's not something that you would want to to bring up. And we learn. We're going to learn here how Paul even uses uses that. Turn with me. Uh, I'm going to have all these scriptures up on the screens, but please turn with me if uh, if you can. Go to Acts eight one and two. It says, "And Saul, who is Paul, before he was Paul, he Saul, and Saul approved of his execution." That's speaking of Stephen in the verses prior. And there arose on the day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church, and entering the house after house, he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Brutal. Like, what, what, a, what a past. Go to a turnover, stay in Acts, but go to 2611. I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposition in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And I did so in Jerusalem. And not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them then i punished them often in all the synagogues and tried to make them blaspheme and in a rage fury against them i persecuted them even to foreign cities brutal this is paul this is this is the guy that we study so often who's who's writing these letters and there's so much truth in these letters and realize it's easy for us to see now that we have the complete scripture and we're looking back it's easy for us to see this separation, but Paul was living with this. We all uh, we all struggle with past with what who we were before Christ redeemed us. Imagine that's your legacy. Imagine that's what you're living through is that you're hunting down believers, you're killing them, you're putting them in prison, you're doing everything you can to to squash this out. This is what Paul's legacy. This is what Paul's history was, and he's not saying this. Uh, This isn't like the beginning to say how humble he is. And it's not self-deprivation. There's a reason Paul is speaking of his past. There's a reason, uh, I'm sure the the temptation was to not speak of it. That's probably the the easiest thing. That's probably what I would want to do if I'm writing a letter, is just skip that part. Just, why did I have to say how how terrible I was? But just, like, let's get to the... The productive stuff, but you'll see the wisdom in Paul and his just understanding of, of the Lord's grace and faith and how he knows how valuable his past is now in the moment. He didn't hide it. Uh, he didn't celebrate it, but Paul didn't hide his past. And that's something that we can all all learn from. Such a brutal, brutal past. And he was open about it. He was honest about it. And we'll see why as we move forward. Uh, The next part of the verse says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Right here, this is going to be our pivot point in this verse. So at first I'm going to take that, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And we're going to look backwards first. This isn't just a throwaway statement. Paul's not saying, Look, I was I was this guy. I was terrible. It was this and that, and I guess that's just who I am. But this is who the Lord is. It's it's not something to breeze through. In this statement right here, that the grace of God, by the grace of God, I am what I am, is not only looking forward, which we'll get to. It's pointing uh, back to who. Uh, it's pointing back to what Christ has not only is doing and has done but it's pointing back to uh, a redeemed life. Turn with me to Galatians 1, 15 through 16. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. The part there I want to focus on is the the time gap. Now, I'm not going to try to dive into and explain and get into uh, all of predestination. Um, So you can work that out, all that out on your own, but I will teach this text and what all this text tells us. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me. So let me I have this nifty whiteboard so I can illustrate this to you. And keep in mind, I'm trying to explain a God that's outside of space and time by using time. So there's a a bit of, this is where you got to let your face stretch and work it out on your own. So Paul is saying that before I was born, but when he would set me apart before I was born. So that's, you got Paul here. Paul's set apart. And then let's say, let's just do this. Let's say this is when Paul dies. So you have the the length of Paul's life that before Paul is even born, he's, he's been set apart. But then what does it say? He called me by his grace and was pleased to reveal his son to me. Well, that happened. That will say that this is here. This is the road to Damascus. What is, this is all Paul Persecuting the church, this is Paul, a wretched sinner, us before Christ. this is Paul, uh, not a believer. this is Saul. this is him uh, living for his flesh, this is him being uh, the we'll learn later the the foremost of sinners. Now, why did God allow if this is when uh, grace so what does he say here? He says, but when he had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace. So he's calling him here. This is when grace. So he's called by grace. This happens. The Lord redeems him. rode to Damascus. Why? Why do we have this time? Why has the Lord allowed this? Well, what's awesome is it doesn't. Get left to speculation. Paul answers that. Go to first Timothy one, thirteen through sixteen. Says, though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with faith and love. So grace is poured out to him, and it's overflowing with faith in Christ with love that are in Christ Jesus, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Jesus Christ, uh, uh, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost, which I just said. And here's the reason. So why did, why this time? This is Paul unpacking this now of whom I am the foremost, but I received mercy for this reason. Here's the reason that this exists. Why does this exist? For this reason, as the foremost, as the foremost, as the guy who is hunting down believers, as the guy who is locking up believers, as the guy who is killing them, as the guy who is approving, as the, they're laying the coats at, at Saul's feet, as they're stoning Stephen. As the foremost... Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who are to believe in him for eternal life. This brutal, having no meaning, having no redemptive power until grace. Grace comes and has now transformed not only, which we'll get into how grace moves us forward, grace has gone through and grace has redeemed all of all of Paul's past to where the Lord didn't cause Paul to persecute the church, the Lord didn't call him to to kill Christians to lock Christians up, but as grace came, grace came in and made all this all this time is now redeemed toward now the Lord is using it, and you see Paul say he's using it to show you that. Me, the foremost, the one who's, who's, who's living like this, who's persecuting the church, that when you and I, current day, that we can still use Paul as an example, that when you and I witness to the believer who's, who's beaten up, the believer who feels like, I don't deserve salvation, I, I'm too wretched, I'm not, a, I'm not the Christian type, uh, you don't know what I've done, that we can point to, look who this guy is, this is the foremost, And he's taken a a filthy past, a useless past, and made it useful. It's amazing how the Lord can take such wicked things and he can cause them. Once grace has come, he can cause them it to be better that it happened. Does that make sense? I, I know it's hard for me to explain, but I, I can see it in my own life. So hopefully as I'm saying this, you're seeing it in your seeing it in your own life. There is some terrible stuff that I've experienced and I've had conversations with people to where it blows my mind that that it genuinely as if in my mind is is as if I don't I don't understand how it could have been any other way. And it's better that it happened because it, it caused this and it caused this and it caused this. And I'm here now and I believe I'm in, uh, I'm pursuing Christ. So it's as if it's better than it happened. And at the time it was terrible, but the Lord went back and redeemed it. So I'll say, as we're looking back, as you are believers, as we're a family, brothers and sisters, as we've been, Called by grace, as, as grace is inserted here and justified us. Don't forsake this. Don't forsake this past. Don't move past it and think it's it's of it's of no use. It's it's no good. This is being used. And grace is not just causing you to, to move forward. And as we're going to learn what it's going to do, how it's going to be lived out in your life, it's not only moving this way, but the Lord has gone back and his, his grace and his mercy and his, his unfailing love, he's gone back and he's fixed everything. The Lord that's outside of space and time has gone back somehow, blows my mind, but somehow has gone back and not just is redeeming my life moving forward, but he has redeemed my life going backward uh, go to Romans 8, 28 through 30. Uh, you guys probably all know this. And we know that those who love God, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. We say that verse all the time. We, uh, we sing songs that say that all the time. That's this. That's grace moving. That's grace moving through our past just as much as it's moving through our future. The Lord's going to take everything in your life and he's going to cause it for good. For ultimate good, uh, that's not just our good but ultimate good which is what it's his glory our our main drive our main goal in life should not be our comfort amen our main goal in life should not be that that it's that it's easy for us and that's a hard thing to amen but our our goal in life should not be that it's easy for us our goal what we strive for in life should be for that ultimately i'm bringing glory to god i'm pointing to christ i'm pointing to his sacrificial uh, gift that he's given us. that He stood in my place. And that is the, uh, the perfect, the spotless lamb that stood in my place. Now I'm, I'm, I'm righteous and he's living through me as we'll move forward and, uh, and see. I was recently, uh, how many of you were here when I shared the story about the, my next door neighbor kid that was stealing our mail? Two of you. Oh man, I got to. I got to tell that story again. I won't tell it tonight because it's way too long. Uh, so anyway, super quick. Neighbor kid was stealing our mail. I went Sherlock Holmes on him. I put out cameras and I caught him. So then he's in my garage. Cops are there. He's 18, and he starts. It was at a time where I was going through stuff with my with my dad being having dementia, and so then uh, my heart was broken for him because I start. I, I sit him down. and being really stern. He sits down in my garage, and I start asking him, like, what are you doing? You're 18. This is so dumb. Like, you're stealing mail. This is you. What kind of decisions are you making? And then we start talking. I ask him about his family, and his dad's not in his life. So immediately my heart broke for him. Please come. Long story short, after everything, I said, okay, two options. You can either go to—they'll hook you up. They'll put you in the back of the black and white, and you can go to jail— and, and that's what it is, or two, this was at the beginning of summer, uh, two, every Sunday morning, you, you get up, you're sitting on your steps, you're dressed and ready to go at 6.30, and you go to church with me every Sunday, sit for both, two, both of the services, and then you'll come back, and that part I didn't share the last time I shared it, so unbeknownst to all of you, he has been here the entire summer, and uh, he's been serving, and what was awesome, it was so cool to see the Lord moving in him and my quad, which we're not really a quad. There's like nine of us. So I don't know what that word is. Uh, So anyway, all those guys latch onto him. So he has a bunch of big brothers that are holding him accountable. But all that to say, we are over at my house um, and Joe Salant, I think you guys all know who Joe is. Uh, Joe Salant was over barbecuing with his buddy from Compton named Buki, who has an awesome name, one Buki, but then also he was uh, sharing his testimony, which it's one of those testimonies that blows your mind, like in the drug world, the, the stories that he had, but he shares his testimony and Louis is over, which Louie is the neighbor kid that I was uh, just ministering to all summer and seeing the Lord work in his life. And um, Buki finishes his testimony and I, I called Louis over. I was like, Louis, you're up. And I had never heard him recount the story of him stealing our mail and coming to church and what the Lord was doing with him. And it was so cool to see, it was so cool to hear that with, with me, which I was kind of a strong personality with him. I was being the strict big brother, Joe, who if you know Joe, Joe doesn't mince words. So he's tough and, and booky, the same thing. So he's in this kind of, in this group where it could have been intimidating. And, and Louis goes through and he shares his testimony for the first time. And it was awesome to hear. And he didn't leave out. And this is what I want to encourage all of us to do. I don't know what your past is. I know what mine is. I don't know what your past is, but let's take a cue from Paul here and let's not shy away from your past does not disconnect you. Your past is not uh, discrediting now. Your past is not—everything uh, that you're doing now, the, the, the deceiver wants to come in. Your flesh wants to come in and tell you all that you're doing now. If, if people were to know of who you were, all this would be discredited. It would be—that that identity wouldn't come back. And I'm telling you that's not the truth, that the Lord has gone back. The Lord has, has redeemed your entire past, and so own it. I'm not saying you have to to brag about it or be proud about it, but the Lord has redeemed it. And as Paul, the foremost, he calls himself the foremost, as he has shared his testimony, don't shy away from your testimony. Share it and know that the Lord has redeemed it, and now it's being used for good. Amen? Okay, so let's keep moving. Uh, And his grace towards me was not in vain. And his grace towards me was not in vain. Well, what would cause the grace to be in vain? That's what immediately follows. It says, on the contrary. So his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, it would have been in vain if this had not happened. I worked harder than any of them. How would it have been if, if Paul arrested on the road to Damascus, the Lord had come down, Christ had come down, he'd seen Jesus, and Paul gained his salvation and then went home and just kind of stayed in his, his house for the rest of his years. And he had his salvation, he just kind of hung out. He, we would miss out on a lot, right? We'd miss out on a lot of wisdom. We'd miss out on a lot of books in the Bible. A lot of the churches wouldn't have the wisdom and the, the leadership the early church as he's riding to all these churches and, and correcting them and and training up leaders. And we'd miss out a lot. This grace that had come, the grace wasn't in vain because it caused something. It caused him, even though in this time Paul's works were as filthy rags, just as ours, even though in this time Paul's work couldn't earn him anything. It couldn't get him any closer to God. Grace comes, and as grace comes, it causes then him to work as he, as he goes forward. Now, we have to be super careful. That's why I unpacked this a little earlier. We need to be really careful in understanding where the work lands. And that's why I asked Micah to get me a whiteboard, because I feel like I can explain it better with a visual, is this work so works here can't get you anywhere. You're not going to be justified. That's what that's what we learn all the time. Uh, I think I have a verse right here. Yep, uh, Ephesians two eight through ten. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a results, not a result of works. This grace coming, calling us, and justifying us here in this moment had nothing, nothing to do with our works. Our good actions, our being a good person. Hey, I didn't have a crazy past. I don't have a, I, I've been a relatively, really moral person my whole life. Guess what? Doesn't matter. You probably should have lived it up more back here. Uh, this, you, you didn't earn anything. You, you, didn't, you didn't share in the work of Christ in earning your justification, Not one part of my works was hanging on that cross. Not one part of me. It was Christ's blood and him only. Nothing else. He doesn't share that with anyone else and he shouldn't. And we need to first understand that when I talk of works, we have to know where it falls. That this work, all these works are nothing. But grace comes and grace that doesn't come in vain causes that's weird, K, huh? Causes works moving forward in our life. Let's finish. We just read in Ephesians, right? Uh, for, uh, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. You didn't do it. It's a gift. It's free. Not a result of works. Okay? So we just, we just unpacked this part. It's not a result of works. Uh, so that no one may boast. If we are his workmanship created... In Christ Jesus for what? Why are we created good works? So it's not of works, but we're created for good works over here. You're not earning your salvation. True grace empowers us to good works as, as we are redeemed, as we are justified, grace is then working out our sanctification moving forward. And it's causing us to be, to be hard workers, uh, Grace not only takes the place of our works in our justification, but it produces work in our sanctification. Does that make sense? So as grace has, has negated our works, has come, has redeemed our past, our works, good or bad back here, have no consequence except for the Lord is redeeming all of it. Grace has come, and now grace is empowering us moving forward for good works. Um, now be clear, these works, I don't want to get overly spiritual with this stuff. This, that work feels like work. It looks like work, smells like work. It tastes like work. You're going to sweat like it's work. It's not some bizarre thing that this, this is, this is easy. This is work. And we see it through scripture. We see the words work. We see the words labor. We see the words struggle. We see the words toil. There's a reason. It's because it's good old-fashioned hard work that grace is going to empower us to do hard work, to get our hands dirty, and to move, and to have physical, physical action. Physical action. Um. So Paul has just said and his grace towards me was not in vain, on the contrary, I worked harder than them all. And then watch how <laughs> he completely can be confusing, but it's beautiful. So he says, I worked harder than them all. The very next thing, though it was not I. How do you, how do you make sense of that? I worked harder than them all, but I didn't work. That's what that's what he's saying. It's the beauty, uh, let's actually, it, uh, though it was not, not, not I, but what was it? So if you're saying you worked harder than them all, and then the very next thing you say is that I didn't work, well then what's, what's doing that work? But the grace of God that is with me. Paul just said, I work harder than, than, than them all, but made it clear at no point was it Paul, was it the man Paul who was doing the work, but he was pointing to the empowerment of, the, the power of grace that is empowering him and living through him uh, to do the work. Uh, Paul gives us this entire statement. Um, and I also want to be super clear that as grace has come, so we have grace here that has called us, has justified us. Grace is not just winding us up. Grace is not just uh giving us a, a push of momentum and then we move forward. Paul is saying, though it was not I, but but the grace of God that is with the with me. He's making it really clear that it's not uh it it was not I. It was the grace of God that it was with me. That the that grace is ever present, every moment, moving in me, walking through me, living through me that every, every part of him is, is dead, is gone, and that Christ is, is living through him. Um, turn with me to Galatians 3, 2-3. This is going to show us that grace doesn't merely get us started, but it lives through us continually as we experience it moment by moment. Galatians 3, 2-3. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit? By the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Did did the spirit come and redeem you, and just kind of give you a kickstart? Did he just wind you up a little bit, and now, okay, now, now I'm back to it. Now I I'm doing the work. Uh, it's not the spirit, and this is the part where now we have to understand we've we've put the dividing line between. Uh, works up to justification and now works through sanctification. Now we need to be honest with ourselves and educated, knowing that our works moving forward is not us, as Paul says, not I, but the grace of God that's that's working with me, that's, that's in me, that's living through me. Um, it's beautiful to see that the grace of God is so powerful, so strong that it's fitting for Paul to say, that it wasn't him, but it was grace moving through him. And it's not Paul, uh, it's not Paul having some false humility. As he says, just in the verse before, I worked harder than all of them. So Paul's not hiding behind, hey, it's, you know, when you get a, I'm terrible at this, and and this study actually challenged me on this. I, I'm terrible at compliments. So uh, if you've given me one, you've probably gotten the, hey, I don't know, Hey. I guess, like, thanks. I don't know how to take it. Paul, Paul wasn't doing that. Paul wasn't saying, uh, you know, it wasn't me. It was the Lord, falsely. Paul's saying, everything I know, grace is empowering me. It's moving me. And even though to you, it looks like I'm doing the work, that I worked harder than them all, and, and to me, it feels like I'm doing the work. But I'm telling you, I know enough I know enough of grace that it's grace that's moving me. It's grace that's empowering me. It's grace that's living through me to do these good works that I could say I worked harder than them all. Uh, turn to Philippians 2, 12 through 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work. Work. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works. Another little, I don't even know what you'd call it. It seems nonsensical. Work it out, but knowing that it's God who works. So, hey, do this work, work out your own salvation, but know this. Know this as you're working out your own salvation, that it's God who works. And this one goes even further. It's not only God who works, but he works in you both to do the work and to will. What does it say? Uh, For it is God who works in you both to will and do for his good pleasure. That as we, we engage in hard work, that's the Lord through his grace is not only empowering us to, to do the work, to get our hands dirty, to be tired and do the hard work that this world needs as believers to rise up. But he's causing us to have the will even. This is the gift, the real gift of grace that we've been given. You, I, I hope you see that as I'm, I'm going through this, I hope you see that how little we can hang our hat on and say that we did hope that in all of this it kind of robs you of any any reason to be prideful in your in your christianity it robbed me of it and i hope it continues to rob me of it of anything that i could ever brag on if anything that i could ever hang my hat on and say you know what i was pretty i was pretty good in this area all right i think i was a real asset for the lord in this in this way but in everything as we go through this it's Man, how fortunate am I that the Lord has come and has called me by my grace and and in the midst, in Romans 5, 8, and, and God shows his love for us that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. So in the midst of my sin, as I'm pursuing my sin, as I loved my sin, I chased my sin and thirst for my sin, that's when the Lord came and justified me by his grace. And now moving forward, I can't even I can't even get big-headed about moving forward and what the Lord is doing through me. I can't get big headed about this neighbor kid who who i who i didn't send to jail and brought him into our house and and poured into him i can't get big headed about that that's the Lord caused me to will to will to do that for Louis the Lord caused me to walk that out i 'll tell you what my flesh wanted my flesh wanted to my flesh wanted to knock him out my flesh wanted to to send him to jail my flesh didn't want to drive him to church my flesh didn't want to have to drive Back down the hill after every service, every Sunday service for the entire summer, and then drive back up the hill and waste all the gas because I'm a cheapskate. My flesh didn't want to do that, but the Lord willed through grace had the will to to pour into that kid. And so, in any in any way that you see the Lord working in your life, uh, I pray that you you give Him all the credit. And that even those good works point you to the one who's working through you. Where are we? Yep. So Philippians two twelve through thirteen, we read that. So we have work, but don't work. Work hard, but know you're hard and I understand that's confusing so we need to unpack how do we how do we live this out how are we hard workers who aren't doing the work how do what are the, what's that mind game that we're playing what's to where I'm working hard and in 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 every moment I think of uh, the floor so we we scraped this floor this floor was a beast of a job to do in every moment am i wait is this me or am I what do, do I have to be thinking a certain thing as I'm scraping this floor like, this is the Lord, this is grace. No, wait, now that was me. Wait, no, this one's grace. What's this head game? We have to figure out how do we live this out? How are we living and working hard and knowing that it's, that it's grace, that it's the Lord willing through us and, and working through us to do good works for his good pleasure? Uh, turn with me to Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. So I no longer live, I'm dead. No longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And just as our other verses we've been going through tonight that that rub against each other of work and don't work, so he just says, I don't live, but the life that I live, so I'm not alive, but the life that you see me living, me. I live that life by what? Faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. It's faith. Faith is, um, which is beautiful. Faith is, uh, as I was just saying moments ago, is, it gives us very little to hang our hat on. We live this simply, and maybe you wanted a more complex answer to how do we live that out, but it's faith. That the Lord comes and through grace redeems us and justifies us and empowers us, and we trust. We trust in that grace. We trust that he's doing it. We trust that he's giving us the will. We trust that he's empowering us to do the work. We trust that he's, He's giving us energy. We trust that he's moving and living through us. We trust in his grace. As he's given us grace, we merely trust it. We merely have faith in the grace that's been given to us. Turn to Hebrews 11.1. 1. Yep. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. What's this thing hoped for? We can break that verse down and say, uh, we can do it on a real small level and say, well, faith is this thing hoped for. It's it's, it's the hope that I have that uh, my loved one won't be sick. It's the hope that I have that we're going to be able to pay our bills. It's the hope that I have that uh, whatever that is for you, we can say that I'll I'll submit to you. It's larger than that. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Grace. It's the assurance of. Grace, that we're, we're hoping in this grace that the Lord in every moment is pouring down grace on us. Right now, as I'm speaking and we're sitting in here, we're all experiencing grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. It's the evidence. Faith is our, is our assurance of grace that we hope for. It's the conviction of the grace that we don't see, but faith is our assurance in that um, Faith is our belief in God's grace. Turn with me to James 2.18. I told you we'd be going through a lot of verses tonight. Um, I love this verse. This verse by itself motivates me to get my hands dirty. And I mean that very figuratively. This makes me want to go like do a project where I know I'm going to get calluses and blisters. I love I love this verse. Uh, and I don't know why, but I love it. Uh. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works, but show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. I'll show you my faith, my faith in grace. So grace has come and now I have, I don't know how to illustrate this. So grace comes and I am having faith that this grace is now walking and living through me moving forward and I'm having faith. If any of you can see that. So I'm having faith in that grace. I'll show you my faith by the works that I know. I'll show you my faith. You'll see my faith in action because I believe in the grace that has been bestowed to me, that has redeemed my past and is now redeeming my future and is not merely a uh, an attribute of God that he's gracious. Though although that's true, I'm not saying that's not true. Grace is far more than a characteristic that he's oh, he's gracious, but grace is empowering. Grace moves us and so our faith we see our faith by our by the works because we are believing in grace. Does this make sense? Getting it? Cool. Um I will show you my faith by my works. Now these, what are uh, attributes of faith is that we have to believe, right? And, and faith, we don't get to see. We believe, in a, we believe in a triune God. Has anybody seen the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit? We haven't, right? It requires what? Faith. We may not see it, we may not feel it, but it's OK. Be assured, as we saw in Hebrews 11:1, be assured that grace is active. If, you are, if you're a believer, if you have been redeemed, if, if grace has called you and justified you, then be assured that as you move forward in life, as you're living, that grace is active. You can trust in that, and you can hope in that. And even though you don't feel it, even though you don't see it, even though there's no evidence outside of the faith, we're still called to have faith. Uh, that's, that's what we have being called to, is, is to believe, that what the Lord says is true, that his promises that he gives us, that his grace that he bestows on us, that we believe him, that we take him at his word, and we don't, we don't question him. So even though you don't see it, you don't feel it, Know that it's active. Uh, turn to Colossians one twenty eight. It says, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil. Hard work. For this I toil. Struggling. Hard work. And this is, this is the point that I want to I hammer home, and hopefully all this lead up to it has, is, is bringing this home, and, it's, and the Holy Spirit is causing this to uh, make sense in your minds. For this, I toil, struggling. It's hard work. It's hard work. But who's doing it with all his energy that he powerfully works within me? The Lord is promising that he's going to give you the energy, that that grace is going to empower you to, to live out the good works that he's prepared before you. And that he's going to give you the energy and that he's going to do the work. But know that you're going to toil. Know you're going to struggle. Know that it's going to taste like work. It's going to feel like work. It's going to look like work. You're going to sweat like it's work. It's hard work. It's not in vain. As we looked back and Paul said, I wasn't, this grace didn't come to me in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than them all. This grace that we've been saved by, this amazing grace that we sang all these songs about before we got into the message, this grace is empowering us to, to move, move forward, and walk in the good works that He's prepared before us. Last verse, First Peter four eleven. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies. And we can just uh, let's actually keep it in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to Him be long glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Whoever serves as one who serves, how do they serve? How are you serving? Again, the Lord is robbing us of bragging points, robbing us of things we can hang our hat, our hat on, robbing us of ways for us to get puffed up, robbing us of our pride, robbing us of our own self-worth of the thought that we can we can live this life apart from him that somehow we can revert back to our old man and simply be a moral people and simply our morality will sustain us in our salvation. The Lord is robbing us of all that because he loves us too much to let us return to that, return to that garbage. And he's saying, who serves by the strength of God, that it's God who's empowering us. We've read verse after verse after verse, and I don't even know how many verses uh, we've gone through tonight, but verse after verse where it speaks of us working hard, of striving, of toiling, of of struggling, uh, that all that hard work is present and, and your hard work to me is going to look like you're working hard and my hard work to you is, is going to look like I'm working hard. Uh, again, I'll reference this this project that we just did and it's probably why I'm speaking on hard work tonight is because I felt like I've been working hard and I'll tell you as Paul did, it's it's the it's the grace of God that willed it in me to even want to do this, and it's the grace of God that empowered me through it. And I'll I'll tell you as I watched uh, the worship team, as I watched our staff members, and a very specific specific that's not a, the other word was not a word uh, a very specific group of people of of Micah, Dave, James, uh, Pastor Brett was here that through those hours that they were working and it was the kind of work that you go, this is unbelievable that these guys are still going. That, that is a witness. Don't shy away from that Christian. Don't shy away from that believer. Work hard, struggle. The Lord is working through you. He's willing in you to do that work and to to walk in that work and and to live this life out. If I can, uh, one last illustration so you can see how this works. Long way. So grace comes to us, and this grace has justified us. Which this is grace here. Grace has come, and it has it has it has justified us. And this grace with it brings a promise. So we'll do this. So grace is bringing a promise with it now we have, as this has come and has freely come to us, this this grace that has redeemed us and has justified us and is, is bringing a promise, we have faith. We have faith in the promise that we've been given. We have faith in the grace that has been stowed to us. And this faith moving forward that we have in grace is producing grace that is bringing along with it, works. So you have a grace that comes and, and justifies us. And then we simply believe, I sim- you and I simply believe that what the Lord said is true and that his promise, that his grace, that he's showered on us. Lord, I believe in your grace for my life. I believe that your, your grace is active and I'm experiencing, experiencing your grace every day. As I believe in that, grace is moving in my life and is manifest in hard work. And as I said before, our ultimate goal, that hard work then brings glory to God. That hard work is going to point back to the Father. Him is the glory and the honor forever. Amen. So in closing, last illustration. So there's a piece of paper on the floor and it's going to sit there and it'll sit there as long as we're inactive. It's going to sit there as long as we, we don't do anything. Hard work, grace, I hope I pray that that tonight, as you hopefully you've written down some of these verses, hopefully the Holy Spirit is is stirring your heart and and uh, you'll go home and and work this out yourself. But grace, until grace empowers us, until we we get up and we get our hands dirty, that piece of paper will never go anywhere. Prayer is one of our the greatest gifts that the Lord has ever given us, and we should cherish it. Uh, you guys hear Pastor Rob all the time talk about our prayer service, and uh, he's 100% right. So what I'm about to say, do not take it as me talking disparagingly about prayer. We need prayer, but shame on us believers if if the hands that we fold in prayer aren't calloused and dirty from the work that prayer has driven us to do. We should be in people's lives, working hard. Earlier, I I was saying physically, don't let let this grace be in vain. As the Lord has come and called each and every one of us by his grace, don't let that grace be in vain and that we're content with sitting in this room and quietly maybe sitting in our home and trying to get by being comfortable. Be uncomfortable. It's going to take work. It's going to take actual action. I'm not talking Christianese. I'm talking real action, physical. As, As straight as I can say it, the life of a believer should be marked with hard work, with action, whether it's in your, not whether it's in, in all of these places, in your workplace, in your home, in your neighborhood, uh, with your friends, everything we do in life should be hard work. This piece of paper will, will be here for eternity until someone takes actual action. Now say this as a an unbeliever. In my instance, say this as a Louis. Prayer brings us into an uh, in alignment with the, the will of the Father, but as I said before, shame on us if it doesn't promote us to action. It do, if it doesn't, if it doesn't push us to get our hands dirty, Louis would be the same. The people in your lives would never change if grace is in vain and you don't work it's real work and i wish i could tell you and i wish i could tell myself that i simply just have faith and the lord works it out look i don't have to really do any work and somehow the holy spirit makes makes something awesome out of it i don't see that in scripture i see toil I see work, I see struggling, I see labor, I see hard work. And it's hard for us in such a blessed community that we live in, it's, it's, it's hard for us to, uh, to fathom it. And it's easy, to be, it's easy to be busy, amen? It's real easy to be busy. And it's hard to be productive. It's hard to work. It's easy for us to have a, a full calendar and get very little done so tonight my prayer for myself my prayer for uh for you all is that in in this next the rest of this week so it's Wednesday we have the rest of the work week and I don't know what you you have going on but be empowered be pushed i hope the holy spirit is is pushing you this evening that uh there's areas that in your life that they feel. I know with, with me, there's areas in my life where I realize I'm just lazy. And there, there's parts where uh, I can reference this, working hard, doing the, the flooring. I can reference Louie, uh, not for my own glory, but for the glory of God. As I said, it's the Lord working through me. But there's other areas of my life where I realize I'm not. I'm not allowing, I'm not having faith in that grace, that it's working through me, and that His He's He's willing through me, and that He's He's empowering me, I'm I'm living on my own flesh. I'm living for me, and so hopefully the Holy Spirit is giving you some uh, some of those areas that you you see it in your own life, and let's just as a body, let's be let's be marked as hard workers. I'll tell you now, as a as a pastor here, um, as a as a staff member. There's a lot of ways. If, if you simply think, I want to work hard and I don't know how, there's a ton of ways here at church that you could work. We can, uh, I don't think there's one ministry here at church that isn't shorthanded. So please, if I can in any way facilitate uh, you walking out what you learned tonight, I would love to do that. You can talk to Micah, you can talk to really any staff member, uh, any of our pastors. Let's close in prayer. Amen. Uh, Lord Jesus, I, I thank you and I praise you, Lord, as you continually, continually humble me. Lord, as you've taught me through studying, Lord, as you've even spoke to me as I'm trying to teach. Lord, that's how just awesome and magnificent you are, Lord, that you're, you're speaking to me and you're teaching me, Lord, as I'm trying to teach and be your mouthpiece. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for your grace that has arrested me, Lord, and has completely redeemed my past, has completely redeemed the past of all my brothers and sisters here. Lord, and that your grace, I thank you that it's active. Lord, that it didn't just come and, and set me up to, to move forward and let me go, but Lord, your grace is moving through me. Lord, I, I so appreciate that you robbed me of any chance to be prideful that you rob me of any, any reason to look to myself as the hero, as the faithful one. Lord, I have faith in you. I have faith in the grace that you show me, Lord. I ask that you would continue to empower me as I know you will. As I ask you to continue to empower my brothers and sisters here as I know you will, Lord. Would you cause us to come alive to this word? Would you cause us this concept, Lord, of working and but it not being us, Lord, would you cause us to, to make sense? Would you help us wrap our minds around it? Would you help it to penetrate our hearts? Lord, that we could live this out. And we thank you for your grace. You've given it to us so freely in the midst of our sin. You showered us with grace, Lord. Redeemed us with your grace. And now, in this moment, even now, Lord, you're causing us to come alive. You're causing us to put our hands, our physical hands, to be the hands and feet. It's not us who lives, but it's Christ who's living through us. Lord, we trust you. We trust in that grace. We have faith in that grace that you're living through us. Would you do it now throughout this week, Lord? Thank you, Jesus. You're so, so, so good to us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being our helper. And thank you, Father, for sending your Son uh, when I was at my very worst, Lord. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.